Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have Andrea Khoury. Andrea is an author, speaker, and entrepreneur. In fact, she is the founder of Grandma Emily's Granola. She is also author of the book, Conversations with Chloe, which was written after the passing of her daughter. Andrea is committed to help those who are grieving and bring hope. She tries to live by the four rules, have patience, avoid frivolous issues, meditate every day, and love thyself. So I'm super excited to introduce you to this amazing woman. Andrea Curry, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. It's so nice to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, nice to have you too. We met on the internet as most of us do. And uh, thank you for sending me the copy of your book. And I'm delighted to be able to hear your story from your experience and from your mouth. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. How does it all start? Because I know there's granola involved and I know there's heartache involved. And if you wouldn't mind, and, and I think there's even a near death experience involved in your past. If you, and you know, I, I think right Sandra, there. that's a good place to start. Okay. Because the, the near death experience was actually the death of an old life and the beginning of a new one. It really was. That's beautiful. Say and, more about um, that. It, it really was. It was December 1991, and it was actually the day of my grandmother's funeral. And I woke up that morning and saw sort of a vision in front of me. And it, I knew it wasn't a dream because I remembered every single detail so accurately. And I saw myself and my husband walking on a snowy sidewalk, and I saw that a car came from behind and hit us. And I heard his voice, and I even saw the make and the color of the car. So this was at about 7 a.m. And then I forgot about the vision. And we had the day and we had the funeral. And it was a long day. And that night at about 10 past 10, we left a reception. We were walking down a snowy sidewalk. And then the vision that I had seen that morning happened. Wow. And we were hit. Yeah, we were hit by a car. And as I was flying through the air, he actually said the exact words I had heard him say that morning. And at that exact moment, I just relaxed. And I knew that I was being sort of protected. I knew that I had been prepared. And I said, okay, whatever happens will happen. And so we, I was hit and went through the air and hit parked cars and and eventually came out of my body, looked at the scene, and then I had that incredible, magnificent experience of being drawn towards the light. And it's funny because even to this day, one of the things that I remember the most is that I was addressed by name. And I was always blown away by the fact that they knew my name. Hmm. You know, like, who am I? And they said, Andrea, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And my children, Sandra, were one three and five at the time. Wow. I said, I said, I don't know how many bones are broken, but I have to go back. And he asked me again, he said, do you want to stay, Andrea? Do you want to go? And I said, I'm going back. And then I went into this vortex that I remember I had to hold on because it was whirling so fast. It was like being in a whirlpool. And then I slammed into my body. I woke up and I knew my life was not going to be the same. 
How much injury did you have from that? Believe it or not, I had a run in my pantyhose. Oh, I had on very. It was December. It's a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle. My body was completely black and blue. I couldn't hold my baby for months and months. Um, My mother would come over every day and and rub me with castor oil. If anybody has tissue or muscle injury, boy, I tell you, it works. And a year of of that and plus a lot of yoga and physio. uh, But all I had was a run in my stockings and they took us to the hospital that night, you know, fully sort of enclosed with the neck brace and the whole thing. And they did all these tests and x-rays and they just couldn't believe that I had not broken one bone. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So from there, you, you know, you started your life over. I mean, did you talk well, about from that? There, yeah. I, it was a, I, as I was being loaded into the ambulance, I remember looking over at my husband who was in a stretcher right beside me, and I said, you know what? I said, something or somebody has gone to a lot of trouble to save me, and I'm going to make my life count, and I'm not going to live without love. And I ended my marriage basically right then and there in that ambulance. It took him a few months before he agreed to go, but uh, that was one of the short-term effects, but the really long-term effect was that I started to have these uh, abilities that I really had no idea how to use. I didn't really know what they were. I kind of messed around with them, forgot about them, didn't take them seriously, and um, eventually... What do you mean by abilities? Sorry to interrupt. Well, the most obvious one was that my grandmother who had died and been buried that day of, of the, uh, of the accident started talking to me and I could hear her as clear as day. Mm. And one day, five years later in 1996, she said to me, Andrea, we're going into business. I said, what? She said, go in the other room, get this picture. So it was very definite instructions, make a logo and we are going into business together. And I said, well, what are we going to do? She said, we're going to make granola, believe it or not. <laughs> and, you know, and her name was Emily, right? <laughs> her name was Emily, that's right. And I never told this story. In fact, I never talked about my near-death experience for about 25 years. And over the years, people thought I was this most amazing entrepreneur, so I won awards. I've been mentoring and lecturing on entrepreneurship in all kinds of universities and colleges and on and on, I wrote a newspaper article for several years about it, and nobody knew that, in fact, I was so pushed by my grandmother, there was no way that I, I could say no and that I, didn't, I couldn't believe that it could actually happen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so Grandma Emily's granola was quite the success. Well, you know what? It, it so happened that about six months after she told me yeah. that we were going into business, I ended up with no job, no child support, and I was alone taking care of three little kids. Wow. And so I started out of my home making granola, Mm -hmm. and uh, one thing led to another. And by the time I sold the company in 2015, we were selling across the country. Yes, I I recognize the packaging. So I've seen it. I've eaten it. I know it. That's lovely. That's great. Yeah, Yeah, and so in 2015... Um, is, is that when you sold the company? 
Yep, I sold the company in March 2015. And I'm like, yay, I'm free. And right. I was away and I was traveling and I was like, oh my God, for the first time in my life, I can just, just be free. And then I got a call that my daughter was sick. My daughter Chloe was ill. And so I came back home um, and uh, spent a year with Chloe. A year taking care of her. She had colon cancer and chemo, and and then it just became generalized. But we had uh, a really amazing, blessed year together. I was so grateful that I had sold my business because I was able to just focus on her. And how old was she? She was uh, well when she passed in February 2016. She was 28. Yeah, she was 28. That's just so last we year. I mean, That's talking just, about this, so many people I talked to, Andrea, and, you know, these things happened long ago. This is just a year ago. Wow. This is just a year ago. This is just a year ago. And, but, you know, after the near-death experience, it, I mean, it so changed me, Sandra, that I, I just wasn't afraid of death. And even in the last month of Chloe's life, about the last um, three and a half weeks, we went into the hospital because I couldn't. She couldn't walk anymore, and I just couldn't take care of her at home anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we had about three weeks in the hospital. And even then, going into palliative care, I never, I, I just sort of, it wasn't all doom and gloom to me. I was sad, but I was also feeling hopeful that Chloe would soon shed this body that was so painful and giving her so much suffering. Um, and actually, it... Um, it was true that the moment she did shed her body, I was sleeping in the hospital at the time. I wasn't with her at the moment that she left her body, but I was woken up. And I was woken up by this amazing feeling of joy that hit me. And then I knew she was free. Oh, it's so incredible. I've yeah. talked to enough people, Andrea, that have had near-death experiences, and they, the memory they have is crystal clear like it was just yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. unlike other other kind of memories. Is that true for you as well? Very clear? Well, it, it really struck me because for me, I remember every detail like it happened a minute yeah. ago. Okay. And, yeah, okay. Last summer, I went to uh, an IANS conference, mm-hmm. the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and it was like coming home. And all these people relating their near-death experiences, and even if it had happened like 70 years ago, they remembered every detail, and they said it was so much emotion. So it was really something. Mm. Yeah, that's... I, I only bring that up because not only do they say that, um, but there's not a fear of death, and there's also this passion to serve and make a difference with other people. So I can get it that, I mean, there's no getting away from grief because of course, of course, I'm sure you've cried plenty of tears, but also to have a a knowing that she'd be free, but she'd still survive. So what happened next? Because eventually you ended up writing a book. So how did that all happen? And those, because there you were, uh, you know, grieving the loss of your daughter, which is... Oh, and, and you're right. You're right. Even even though I knew deep in my heart, I know there is no death, and I know you're absolutely right. We don't die. 
I still grieved and I still lied on the floor of my place and just bawled my eyes out. Even the night that she died, I went to the doctor in charge and I said, do you have a soundproof room? And he looked at me like, he's like, what? I said, I need to howl. I said, mm -hmm. I need to scream and howl. This is my child. And he said, no. And I said, well, you should. You should. And I, I wanted to do that, but I couldn't. I couldn't wake up a whole ward of people who were sleeping. And so you're right. The grief is fierce. And it's a process. And it changes with time. But what happened was I... Uh, I moved into this small little cottage on the water. I needed a place to heal, and I knew I could take off and start traveling again, but I really didn't want to. I wanted to be close to family and close to friends, and so I rented this small little cottage, and, and that's actually where I'm talking to you right now. I'm where, sitting in my little cottage. Where are you in the world? I've forgotten. I'm in, Mon I'm in Montreal, Quebec. That's right. And that's I'm right. I'm on the island of Montreal, on the west end of the island, and it's like the it's like the country here. Actually, it's really beautiful. Very nice. Yeah, and um, and so I rented this little cottage, and about five weeks after Chloe passed, I was sitting actually right exactly where I'm sitting right now, and I started writing her letter. And I just said, you know, Chloe, you love this spot. It is so you because her and I, we were so alike. You know, when we used to travel together and ski together and snowshoe together and all kinds of things. I mean, we used to bike together. And, and I said, you would love this place because I just know you would love the simplicity of it. It's 420 square feet. It's all windows. It faces the water. And, I mean, it's just, just so pretty. And... Uh, I was fully intending to burn that letter mm -hmm. uh, in my little wood stove, and then she answered me, and I heard her clear as day. And so I started to record what she was saying, and I didn't know if it, you know, if it would stop. I didn't know if it would go on for a day or a week, or I didn't know. But how I did you record it? What do you What do you mean? Did she come into your mind <laughs> saying it, or were you writing and you just started writing her words? That's right. And sometimes what she would do is, but I had heard her a few times, actually, mm -hmm. uh, even before, like the night that she died, I was sitting with her and I felt her right beside me. And she said to me, you know, mom, thank you so much that you're calm because it really helps me. It helps me that you're not hysterical. And, and so I learned something from that, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and the day of the funeral, I could feel her there with me. And so I just sort of would wake up in this cottage around 4, 4.30 in the morning. That was really the time I wrote. And sometimes I would actually almost feel her nudging me, like pushing me, like, okay, come on, let's go. Time come to on, write. Get up. Time to write. And it was a great time to write. It's like the time of day when your mind is clear and there's no noise or any kind of energetic, there's no consciousness around you that's, that's sort of um, distracting you. And so I would write and I would just, just listen and I just didn't doubt and I just started writing. And then I told her, I said, Chloe, I have to know that this is 100% authentic uh, because if these words are going to affect other people, if they're going to help other people, they have to resonate. So, 
you say your words and I'll say my words. And she also told me, and mom, don't you edit my words. Like, just leave them the way they are. You can edit what you say, but don't touch what I say. <laughs> and so really, in the book, I did not touch one thing she said. Yeah. So it's called Conversations with Chloe. And is it, it, it does it uh, read like a dialogue between the two it of does. us? It does. It does. It's a dialogue between the two of us. And um, so what I've done is uh, the different people have read the book. And it's interesting. I thought that it would be uh, Chloe's words that would be the most fascinating, that would be the most in- of interest to people. But in fact, it's it's different things for different people. For some people who have gone through loss, it's the idea of hope. For others, it's my journey. For others, it's the conversation. But um, it's nice to know that it's touching people in different ways, but it's in the way that they need. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of things came through her? Are there Were there things that you were surprised to hear? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Tell us. One of the things that I told her, I said, Chloe, you got to give me stuff that I don't know. It's almost like asking for evidence. You know? Yes. Yeah. So she would, she would often tell me words that I didn't know. And that was one of the key ways I knew it was Chloe is she would come up with these crazy words that I had never heard. And so I would have to look them up in the dictionary and then we would have conversations about them. Chloe was quite the wordsmith. Like she used to write a lot of poetry and, and uh, she had a great mind. So, that was one of the things. But one, I think, of the most significant things she gave me was just her insights to life after life and what it's like. Yeah. Hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know we have not only many parents listening that have lost a child, but I think pretty much all of us that have, are listening right now have lost someone and always curious to know where they go to when they leave us. One of the things she told me was that um, she was in an in-between place. She said, the only reason I can hear her so clearly and have this conversation, like we're having, Sandra, it was that clear. I, it was that easy to hear. She said, because, Mom, I haven't crossed over yet. I'm just sort of in between. And I actually, she said, I haven't. There's this cord between us that I haven't yet cut. And so I'm in this in-between place and I'm only here for us to do this project. Interesting. And yeah, one of the things she, she told, well, she talked a bit about, um, it was really, it was really nice. She talked about who met her. She talked about, um, how fabulous she was feeling. And she gave me something which actually took a lot out of me physically to take down. She called it the 12 steps to bridging. And it was sort of like her 12 steps because uh, we had been talking about uh, different things that had 12 steps. So she created the 12 steps to bridging, which is how you can hear your loved ones and tips and ways for people to actually, you know, do those steps and practice those steps and be able themselves to communicate because, God, our loved ones are always trying to reach us. Mm, are, Are there any that you can share with us, any of these steps? Oh, my gosh, for sure. (laughs) You're so cute. For sure. I know I have your book, but I want you to do the talking. People say sometimes, Sandra, you talk too much. Let the guests speak more. So I'm trying. Well, that's what's happening today, is it? You know what? Okay, there were 12 of them. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that one of the most valuable for me, okay, Mm -hmm. 
is number six, which is raise your vibration. Raising your vibration. And that's there are a lot of ways for us to raise our vibration. Number one, we have to get calm. But number two, we raise our vibration by the air we breathe, by the quality of the water we drink, by the food we eat, and also by by how we we get our energy to rise. So things like um, crystal bowls or listening to certain kinds of music, chanting, all great ways to raise vibration. And I think that they do come down and we do go up. So as much as you can raise your vibration, that will really, really, really help us connect. And it's doing yeah. things that make you feel good as well, uh, I believe, just from my own experimentation. It's hard when we're grieving and so many people want to have a sign, but very often it, it's not till we can actually feel a little better. And I think that, you know, grief does bring down our vibration. It's my There's no sense. question. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You have to be calm, yeah. peaceful. Um, feeling a sense and I think actually um, the idea that all is as it should be and this is so hard even oh for my me, gosh it is I've heard it as all is well what are you kidding all me my daughter just died and all is well you exactly know? like I you know and all I want to do is howl and I'm I'm sitting there trying to memorize her freckles on her left forearm because I don't want to forget yeah. the physicality of her, you know, and I'm, I'm with them and then they, they cover her and they put a sheet over her body and they're taking her out of the room and it's like, you mean I'm supposed to believe and know that all is as it should be? Mm-hmm. All I want to do is, you know, is howl. But when you move past that initial deep grief and you realize that there's so much more going on than we know, you can really begin to internalize it all is as it should be. When you're calm like that, yeah, that's when you can hear them. And that's when you that's when they can get through because they're always trying. But if we're all messed up and we're all in grief and we're all even if we're too excited to communicate with them it gets tougher for them to come through Mm -hmm. i have um i'm going to plug my book but i'm also giving listeners a free copy so i'm not pushing it on anybody um but if you go to my website we don't die radio.com and there's a some words at the top says click here to join the insiders club and it says you'll get a free chapter of my book but it's actually the whole book but why i'm bringing, (laughs) bringing this up is that um I have a chapter 10 is about grief and I do talk about also making that connection. And one of the things, like you say, uh, we've got to quiet the mind. We've got to, I've got a chicken doing a cockadoodle do outside my window right now. I'm hoping nobody can hear it. <laughs> I thought, Oh no, the chicken. Uh, but it, it's quieting our mind and slowing ourselves down and getting in the present moment helps grief. And then it also does provide a space where you'd be able to hear. So if anybody wants to use that, feel free to, you know, get that right there. But um, yeah, uh, but I want to talk obviously more about you. And, and did Chloe teach you things about grief? I know you said here the needs of the grieving that could very well have come from your experience. Oh, yeah. You know, one thing I really realized, Mm -hmm. people think that if their loved one has died 
and they didn't get a chance to say everything or they didn't get a chance to forgive or ask for forgiveness or the relationship continues. The relationship is still happening right now. It just, one of the things Chloe told me is, mom, if you could see all of us, you wouldn't believe it. We'd be bumping into each other all day long. And that just like blew me away. She's like, we are so present in your lives. And I used to feel that more at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I used to, even on a couple of occasions, I was able to actually get a real feel of her and actually feel her near me and feel her touch me. And she did some crazy, some crazy things to, to electronics. That's one of the things that they, they can work with is electronics. What kind of things did she do? Well, for instance, um, first she would put a suggestion in my head um, to say to me, okay, I remember one day when you did something really nice and one day when you did something really nice. And for the year that I was taking care of Chloe, I used to do recordings almost every day. I still have them. Some of them were just my observations on what was happening with her illness and how difficult it was or the heartbreak of my child going to sleep at 7.30 every night, even on a beautiful summer night when she should be out with friends or whatever it was. And some of those recordings were her. And we would do interviews. So she put this idea in my head and she's like, Mom, can't you remember one of the nicest things you did? And I was trying to figure out what she was talking about. And one day I was driving my car. My cell phone was plugged into the car. And all of a sudden, and there were over a hundred recordings, and I still have them, and I don't even know what's on each one because I haven't really listened to them again. And the exact recording that needed to play started playing. And I realized that it was the day, this is, it was the day that she had said, Mom, can we go out? Can we get dressed up? Can I have a normal day? And when they're that sick, that's all they want. They want a normal day. So I said, okay, what would you like to do? So I said, I want to get dressed. I want to go out. I want to go shopping. Like, that was what she wanted to do. And she was really ill at this point, and it meant get the, um, the wheelchair and the whole deal. Anyway, we did it, and we went out, and we went to the mall. And I remember the looks of the people, you know, as we were in the mall, because Chloe didn't look very well at that point. And uh, it didn't matter. And she wanted to buy that new scarf, and we did. And you know, I still have that scarf, of course, and I wear it often. And um, it just, just sort of was special that she was able to make that recording on my phone turn on all by itself so that I could remember exactly what memory she was talking about. Mm, so it just started playing on your phone by itself. Playing by my oh. by itself. I know it. That's never happened since, uh, and I I'm not. I don't even understand what kind of energy it would take to make something like that happen. Um, but uh, but it did. Yeah, I remember at one point in the book. It's interesting because it's just a conversation, you know, and it meanders all over the place, like every conversation. And at one point, I'm talking about the fact that uh, closer to the end of her life, she spent a lot of time sleeping. And so I had time on my hands, and I started writing a play. And uh, she asks me in the book, she actually says, Mom, do I have your permission? Can I read your play? And I thought, wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's kind of like it's my private property, and she could sort of clue into it and know it 
but she's asking me if it's okay if she has my permission to do that. I said, sure, Chloe. And then she knew it. And then we started talking about it. Yeah, it was very special. That's very cool. Andrea, Andrea you're, you're writing, I know you, you've gotten a great response from your book. And you have yeah. definitely are on the path of helping a lot of parents and grieving folks. But you are on at work at a second book. What is that about? Yeah, well, um, you know, it's interesting because I, um, I realized that grieving parents, and I know just for myself, I love to talk about Chloe. And I just felt that um, I was looking for books and I wanted to see what other parents had written and something to help me navigate through my grief. And I just couldn't find what I was looking for. So I said, you know what? I can't find it. I'm going to write it. And what it is, is it's just a book of, it's not just, it's a book of testimonials. And it's other parents who have gone through their own loss of their own child, fathers and mothers. And it could be recent as just, you know, within the, the last few years. And for one mother, it's like over 30 years ago. And she's thrilled to talk about her son that she lost 30 years ago. So that's what it is. I meet with them and they talk. And what I am so amazed by is that, boy, do they love to talk. Yeah. Aww. And they talk. And, yeah. And to have somebody and to so, listen is so important. Just to listen. That's it. And, and it's not like I'm a trained psychologist or anything I and I know there's no feedback to give there's nothing to say there's no way to make this easy uh it's the most difficult grief it's it's the it's the worst thing that could really almost the worst thing that could ever happen in a person's life is to lose their child we love our children so much and you know we love them from the moment as a mother it's like from the moment no you've conceived that child and that child is in your womb you have a relationship with that child yes. and one of the coolest things sandra okay um one of the coolest things was after the book was finished uh she said okay mom it's time for me to go and it was very sad and and she told me what to do and she sort of told me, you know, this is, and she walked, she was walking me through the process of letting her go. And then she was gone. And I felt this sort of massive emptiness in my life. And then sometime later, whatever, a few months, she came back and she, you know, she said, she said, mom, I'm looking for a new mother. I said, what? I said, I'm your mother. She says, no, no, no. She says, I'm looking for a new mother because I have a son, Daniel. And she said, I'm looking for a woman, for Daniel to fall in love with. And then I'm going to come back. And I'm going to come back as his son. I'm going to come back and be your grandson. And I am going to love you so much. And I just, I was blown away. <laughs> I know it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. Someone just put a message on um, one of the videos on YouTube that they just can't buy into reincarnation, and I like the idea of it. Of course, I'm not going to know <laughs> for exactly what it is or isn't till my day comes. But you know, so that her coming back is. I feel you know. It's like if they don't believe it's okay. You know, there, there's an expression that nothing worth doing can be achieved in one lifetime. So. I just know that I had to put this book out there. Yes. She, because I didn't want to. I said, Chloe, I don't need to write a book. 
I said, I'm a very well-respected entrepreneur. I've won awards for entrepreneurship. I speak about entrepreneurship. Why should I put myself in a situation where I could be judged? I could be criticized. And she's like, mom, you have to do this. This is our mission. This is what you are meant to do. This is, this book is a gift and it's for you to take it out there and just get a few seeds here and a few seeds there and plant them right and left and let conversations begin. And so that's what I'm doing. And if somebody, you know, doesn't want to believe, I totally respect that. I respect everybody where they are. I'm just offering what I know. Yeah. And I always believe if something fits, take it. And if it doesn't, don't, don't use it. I like the idea of reincarnation because you know, it's recycling. You know, why just, you know, especially some kids that have just come into this earth for three months, like that's it for their soul. You know, I, I, I don't know. So I, and there's, and there's plenty of, um, evidence through the work of Dr. Ian Stevenson researching over 3,000 children and their stories and they're mind blowing. So that tends to make me think, think it's real. Uh, what else do you want to say or should I ask, have asked you that I didn't ask you? Um, it's always a little something or maybe just share a little wisdom to brighten our day today. Any, any thoughts about just making our life a little better, some perspective. You know what I realized? Mm. As time goes by, everything gets a lot simpler. I used to do a lot more rituals. I used to read a lot of books. I still read. I always have actually three, four books on my night table going at the same time. Mm. But I, I used to be much more seeking and learning and and questioning and wondering and I finally decided when Chloe said mom stop doubting just stop that is the one thing that that will stop your progress that will block you from feeling the joy of this connection is when you doubt and you know I just decided to stop doubting and it made all the difference yeah and it takes a conscious choice because, of course, I'm sure people are like, well, how do you stop? You know, it's... You just stop. Uh, yeah. You just say, okay, my ego is telling me this can't be, this is impossible. Yeah, you know, that butterfly has been following me for the last, uh, whatever, 350 feet. A butterfly doesn't follow you for 350 feet, but, ah, you know, how could that be a sign? But what if you turned it around for a minute and just accepted that every time you think something is a sign maybe it is and look at it that way and just see how it feels you know and if you say to yourself well you know it's not reality and we can't prove it well sometimes you have to go beyond seeing to believe and you just have to believe yeah and then you'll see that's yeah. If I can share with you one quick story, when I took a mediumship class back in 2005, I think it was, you know, I, I wanted it so much to be real that, that life after death was real. And Andrea, I was, I just, I, I started my journey from a fear of dying, but I took a course in mediumship and, uh, what the exercise she gave us, cause you know, I'm thinking I'm no medium, I can't do this, but she says, you don't have to. This is what we're going to do. I want you to pretend that you're a medium and you can see uh, a person standing behind the person you're 
working with. And she says, just, we're not going to do mediumship here. We're going to just play and this is how we do it. But I want you to invent someone standing behind your partner and tell them who they are, what they look like. She says, just make it up. And because Mm -hmm. I had the confidence to make Mm -hmm. up something in my imagination, I told this lady, I'd never met her before, that I saw a man standing behind her. I I saw a gap between his front teeth. I heard the name Jan. I see a fishing boat. Mm -hmm. I'm saying he's a fisherman in Denmark. He's your grandfather. Mm -hmm. And there were some more details. But it just... Because I was free to just make somebody make something up and use my yeah. imagination, guess what happened? When I opened my eyes, I got every detail correct about her grandfather. And that comes they, that comes from a confident mind who didn't have to be a medium. I just could make somebody up, and I can. I got a great imagination. So to stop doubting and to pretend as if you can communicate, guess what? That allows communication to start uh everything i've learned you know gotta have confidence and like my dad always said it whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right (laughs) i think that's a henry ford quote actually but dad said it a lot so Yeah. yeah be confident don't doubt boy it takes something to stop those thoughts in their tracks so oh boy baby there's another expression that I love is that if you want to take the island, you've got to burn the boat. You've got to commit and just do it. That's it. If you want to take the island, burn the boat. And when I started writing this book, and at first I thought, oh, my God, is this really happening? And then I said, you know what, Andrea, just burn the boat. Just burn the boat of doubt, and that's enough, and just go with it and see where it goes. And it just went every morning and it was so effortless it's like the way you told that woman about her grandfather you just went with that was it and out it came and out it came yeah and she came up that's it it's amazing and and be for all of us to be to not give up i guess you know sometimes we dabble in something and if it doesn't happen right away we give up or if we've lost our loved one and we haven't had a sign and it's been a few months we give up don't give up don't give up that's right don't give up i listened to one of your recordings with suzanne um watson i believe wilson suzanne wilson the medium yes and I love the way she talked about imagine a place and go to that place and tell them you're going to meet with them in this place. And what it does is it just keeps your mind every day. You take a minute or a half a minute and you just focus on this meeting that's coming up. And just the power of always going back to that thought and always engaging with your loved one. It's, it's going to bring results. It's, it's bound to bring results. But like you say, you just can't give up. You can't give up. Yeah. Can't give up. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it because it lightens completely the burden of death. It doesn't take away the grief. You're going to grieve. You're going to cry. I'm telling you, Christmas Day this year, I mean, I was with family and everybody's having a nice time. Nobody asked me about Chloe because nobody knows what to say. Mm-hmm. And I just, and being there, I locked myself in a bathroom and I just didn't want to come out. So uh, the grief is is real and it's it's necessary. It's part of loving and it's part of losing. And it's so important to manage those losses, though, because if we don't, they're just going to keep happening because life is all about loss. Yes. And if I could fast forward people 
10 years from wherever they're grieving right now and then actually look back at the difference that time in your life made. I mean, it, uh, uh, man, many wise souls are saying, you know, that life is about, it's an education for the soul. And the most education we get is through the suffering in the hardest times. I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, but even looking at myself, you know, it took some of the hardest things to get to me where I am today. Well, my dear, our time is about up and I know you have plans this evening. So how do people uh, get in touch with you or con- uh, purchase your book? Well, they can, uh, they can purchase the book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's either by ebook or soft cover. Conversations uh, with Chloe, it's called. Mm-hmm. And just below this episode, if you are listening on YouTube, I have a link for you to purchase it just in the description below. Okay. That's great. Yep. That's great. And Thank you so much. yeah, and when you have your next book out, um, be sure to let me know because I, you know, Somebody could be listening to this episode right now and the book's already out. It could be, you know, 2018, 2020. You just never know. Well, Andrea Curry, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Sandra. It was really a pleasure. Mm, thank and, you. And for our listener, thank you as always for giving us your time. A uh, reminder, you can go to wedontdieradio.com, click on Insiders Club, and, and get a copy of my book and a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. And as I've been reminding people lately, I will be speaking live and in person in Scottsdale, Arizona, September 15th through 17th at the State of the Art Afterlife Research and Education Symposium, which uh, Suzanne Wilson is going to be there, the medium that uh, Andrea just spoke about, and 26 other people, all on the cutting edge information about the reality of life after death, communicating with our loved ones, uh, dealing with end of life, and it's really special. And if you can't make it, I get it. But go to the website anyways, join the organization, I think it's $25, and then you, and you'll be on the mailing list for so many good things which are coming your way. So in closing, my name's Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And like Andrea's four rules, have patience, avoid frivolous issues, meditate every day, and love thyself. So I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.